Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. If you don't have your Bibles, it's here on the screen. And I would like to say tonight um, at 530, I'm actually uh, holding another born-again crew, uh, a small group, a Bible study tonight. For anybody who's in this building, and for those who attended the last time, this Bible study is actually the same study, but more, 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 a little bit more explanation. But for anyone in this church or anyone that you know that's outside the church that wants to understand what it is to be born again of the water and the spirit and understand spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking with tongues, turn to your neighbor and tell them it's not weird, it's God. And if you need that in your life or you need a renewing and you really want to understand, I'm going to teach tonight at 530. I'll teach your entire family if you want me to. And we're going to teach you to give a good foundation to understand who you are, what you've got, and what you can have. It'll change your life. I promise you that. So Acts chapter 2. It says, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly heard received the word and were baptized. And that day about, say this with me, 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls. So whoever doesn't believe in church growth, let me just point this out to you. When the early church grew, they grew by the thousands and the hundreds. And I'll show you why. It says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Here was the culture of the church. They continued steadfastly. That means they were consistent in what they do. I've learned the secret to uh, being successful. And to me, success is being in the will of God and fulfilling God's will for your life. The secret to that is consistency 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 in prayer and they were consistent in learning and fellowship breaking bread and in prayers 43 then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles and that fear was a healthy fear a reverence for the things of God so as the apostles began to work and exercise their faith God healed God performed miracles and they caught the attention of many now, all who believed were together. Say it with me. They were together and had all things common. Say that with me. Had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as, as anyone had need. What that means is, is that I believe, is my personal thoughts and, and opinion about this portion of Scripture is, I don't believe they sold their houses that they lived in elsewhere. Where would they live? I believe they sold the extra things around them that they had and gave it to the church. It'd be a lot like some of you having a great garage sale and giving it to the church. And then the church distributed to the people in need. And I've got to tell you, one of our goals in this church financially is to be wealthy and healthy enough 
where we can pay off your medical bills, pay off people's houses and cars, take care of our widows, take care of the fatherless, take care of those every time school comes around. We don't have to worry about our church children trying to figure out what are they going to wear to school, what kind of supplies are they going to have in their life. Listen, I don't think God's children need to lack for anything. And that sounds kind of extreme, Pastor Bobby. Maybe so, but I'm going to tell you the New Testament church did it. I think debt's from the devil, to be quite honest with you. And I think it's a product of some of our doing as well. But, you know, the church was meant to help people to take care of its people. It was. How many of you believe that? That's just what the church did. That's what the church did. And by the way, the things I just mentioned, there are churches actually doing that now. Where are they, where's that church at, Pastor Bobby? I want to go. It's too far. I want that church. That's my church. 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people, having favor with all people. That means people in the church, people outside the church. God will give you favor. And the Lord added to the church daily to those that were being saved. Why? See, when, that, when we talk about church growth, we're actually talking about the kingdom advancing God forgiving, people coming in and being baptized, people coming in and being empowered by the kingdom of God, by the spirit of God, and lives being changed. A church that ceases to evangelize will eventually become dead. A church that ceases to reach out to others and consider bringing souls into the church will be a church that will die from the inside out. That's why some churches you see that used to be great are now vacant buildings and no one hardly goes because they just went through a season of growth and they, they decided, you know what, I'm comfortable with this. We don't need to grow anymore. It just needs to be us. It's too much trouble to grow a church. You've got the wrong concept. God has to reach out. And he said, until this gospel has gone to the four corners of the earth, he's not coming back. We have a responsibility. Lives need to be changed. But here's the key for today's message. Here's the key. Until the church is organized the way heaven intended, we cannot be effective. We have a mission. We have a responsibility. And you're not just part of a church. You're part of God's army. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm a soldier in God's army. Turn and tell him and tell him, you are a soldier in God's army. Now, you bless the service today. You ready? Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing today. Thank you for what you're doing now. Father, we know that you can do all things through Christ. We can do all things through Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you. Bless the service in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise and thanksgiving. You can be seated this Sunday morning. I, um, I am so excited to talk to you about this because it's, it's a challenging message, but it's also um, very inspiring to understand this and get revelation. Most of what God has been giving me to, you, to teach to you and talk to you about has been revelation. 
is relevant is relevant it's relevant for what we're doing and how we're living what we're what we're experiencing now but the challenge this morning is to change your perspective and your thoughts about the church a lot of people really can't understand and comprehend why we go to church uh, most people think that as long as I'm a good person or as long as I uh, watch the right programming, listen to whoever uh, pastor man on church you want to, uh, that you're having church. And that's not true. First of all, you are the church. But there is something so significant in getting together with God's people. There's a different type of anointing that's in the atmosphere. And when you look at the church and you look at how we stand and how we operate, you have to come down to one conclusion. So, and that's this. And, and so as an introduction, the, this, this isn't one of the points, but this is something I want to give as an introduction. You have to understand this. True victory starts with knowing whose you are. True victory in your life starts by knowing whose you are. Let me give you a model. The soldier has the army. The Marine has the Marine Corps. The sailor has the Navy. The pilot has the Air Force. Search and rescue has the Coast Guard. And the believer should have the church. Did you understand what I just said? Now, I understand that most of these uh, in our defense system and the United States of America, most of these branches help each other. They have more obligations than just land or just sea. But the sense of responsibility that falls on the church, it's much bigger than we think. We are the defense system of the kingdom of God, the church. And so when you look at this, these five branches of military that I just use as an example, as a template, they perform more, more duties in their title and furs. But I do know that each of these departments, each of these defense systems, have, has someone that's over them they have to report to. And in turn, when they report to the United States Department of Defense, they take it to the commander-in-chief. And then there are instructions that are given. Our military in the, in, in, in the U.S., is one, I believe, is the best, strongest, most powerful military around, not just because of technology, but because of organization. Because of organization. Israel has one of the strongest armies in the, in the world, they're a small army, but they've learned and ha learned how to defeat bigger, bigger opposition because of their readiness, because of their organization and willingness. In Israel, when you turn 18, everyone goes into the military to serve. Then they come out operating as a, as a civilian. In fact, when you... When I've seen pictures, I, I've never been. I, I'm going to go one day to go visit the Holy Land, but I've seen many pictures of people on the streets carrying guns. They're ready. They're ready to go at any given moment. 
I think the child of God should know the word of God so strong that at any given moment they can speak it, release it, and do it with conviction. Not to oppose people, but ideologies, temptations, demonic opposition. But where do you get your instructions from? How is the kingdom of God organized? How does it advance? As we examine the the earthly organization of of our military, uh, we can begin to look at the church and see how God has required the church to be organized in a in similar fashion. In fact, when, when Jesus went and he was healing people, there was a centurion that wanted his servant healed, and he sent the servant there and said, Lord, would you heal my servant? And the centurion didn't come out of his home. He sent somebody else. He said, please don't come to my house. And he said, but just speak the word and release the word. He said, I understand how this works. He said, I'm a man under authority also. I, am, I tell this person go, and he goes. I tell this person come, and he comes. And he understood the role of authority. He said, you're a man of authority also because you have miracles that take place. I see big things happening in your life, and I know the reason why these things are happening is because you're in alignment with your government like I'm in alignment with mine. That was a similarity. Heaven should be organized. The kingdom of God and all of its soldiers and, his, and the commander-in-chief, there's no problem with our commander-in-chief. Jesus is a mighty warrior. Jesus is ready to go. Jesus has never lost a battle. Jesus will step up and fight any demon, and there is no fear in him. He's nothing but faith. He's nothing but courage. Nothing but what's necessary for you and I to win. But we need to be organized. The biggest weapon in our day and age, your biggest opposition, uh, the biggest weapon is going to be who abides in you. Your greatest opposition is going to be your ignorance. Your greatest enemy isn't the devil. Our greatest enemy is not the devil. Write that down. Your greatest enemy is not the devil. Your greatest enemy is ignorance. That's a strong word, I know. Ignorance, for a lack of knowledge, the Scripture says, God's people are defeated for a lack of knowledge. Well, I just didn't know. How do I find out? What do I learn? Here's what the Scripture says. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 46, it says, The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. What that's trying to tell us is, is that before God can do anything supernatural or powerful in our lives, we have to first be organized naturally. I believe every origin, the origin of every good thing is first happens in the spirit realm, then it happens in the world. But what what bridges the gap between the two is our organization, our obedience, our compliance. So God wants to change the world, but, but he can't change the world because we're out of sync with him. God wants to change your problems. God wants to fix your problems. God wants to defeat those devils that have been uh, prison, making you a prisoner, making your family a prisoner. God wants to defeat all these foes in your life, but he's waiting for us to get 
structured, disciplined, and organized. And what God has called the church to be is that one central location where we come together. I don't know if you know this. You didn't just come to church today to, to be seen. You came to church today to receive instruction, to receive encouragement, to get powered and refreshed, to go back into the world and follow through with your assignment. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. So in the spiritual, we see the church is arranged and divided into five-fold ministries. God has placed leadership in the church. He said he sent and gave some apostles to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints according to Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, when you read it, chapter 4, verse 11, it tells us emphatically that this is the organization of God's government. And there are many people in this house and in other churches that have these giftings. But under any direction and any group, God has always appointed one person to lead the group. God has always appointed a person. When people have an apostolic ministry, I believe, and I know this, and you know this, that there is an apostolic ministry on this church. Miracles take place. Things happen. No one has to lay hands on anyone. We've had people healed and delivered. We've seen things transpire. People are getting baptized in the Spirit. People are getting water baptized. We are a transition for people to come from the world into the kingdom of heaven. That's what the church is. People are born in the church. People grow in the church. People are developed in the church. The church is a safe haven. But like every military organization throughout the world, there are captains, there are generals, and there, there are commanders-in-chief. There's the commander-in-chief. Lots of times, many people, they have that apostolic feel in their life. They're not called to pastor or lead a church, but they're, lead, they're called to dominate the business world. They're called to dominate in the business world, in the marketplace. Many people that have that apostolic anointing on their life will will move, and they're movers and shakers, and they're establishing. A lot of entrepreneurs are having apostleship in their life in the business world because you see them. They know how to start businesses, do things that are relevant, but that gift always, was always meant if you're going to see it prosper, if you're going to see it excel to a great end with no limitations, it has to be tied to the kingdom of God. It has to be for his glory. It has to be tied in where the anointing is at. The anointing will flow and the mentality and the principles that you have honor him. There are teachers. There are teachers in this building. You teach in public schools. You teach in private schools. Wherever you're teaching, there ought to be some type of element and an anointing in your life that flows from this environment where you can take out to your representation, your area, your region that God's given you dominion over and influence over, and you should be a teacher that's anointed. That's right. You mean God can anoint me when I'm teaching history? Yes, he can. God can anoint you and your students can feel the love of God, and they can feel a touch of God, and they can feel the encouragement. They can feel everything without you even having to quote the Bible. They'll feel something about you. They'll know something about you. They'll be drawn to you. They're going to say to themselves, there's something different about you. 
And this goes the same with every level of the fivefold ministry. Some people have that pastoral gift, and they're not, they may not have a pulpit ministry, but they have a sense of caring for other people, loving other people. They want to make sure that the welfare of the people is well. And you don't, in those type of people, they really don't have to be eloquent in speech. They just have to care. They care. They love. They're there. And so you understand the point, right? There is structure and needs to be structure in the church. But here's my point. Here's the point. Any effective military operations functions at its peak only when the officer is in alignment, knows his position, and submits to the senior officer in command. I don't believe anyone needs to follow any pastor blindly. But I think at some point in your life, no matter what church background you come from, no matter who's hurt you, no matter what church split happened, no matter what history you may have, not every pastor is the same. This, I can testify, and so can many others, this is a safe place. If you don't like what's being preached, we encourage you, find a church that you enjoy and a pastor that you can trust, but don't be part of a church. And I know this sounds crazy for me to say, because I'm, you know, it's not about the numbers for us, although we recognize numbers as souls being saved. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ and you trusting someone to lead you after that relationship. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And you guys are smart enough. If I start talking nonsense up here, start talking about some extra crazy things that aren't in the Bible, and you can tell that you got a choice, your feet will decide for you. But if you call this your church, it would behoove you. It would be good for you to forget about the past, forget about the scary stories, forget about what you see in the media and YouTube about pastors and their great mansions and their jets. I promise you, I have no jet at my house, I have a Chevy. We're modest people, and we care about you, but at some point, you're going to have to trust us. It's going to have to. This is a tough message for me in a way because I, I have to talk about myself, and I really don't want to talk about myself, but you see, you have to respect your leadership. I, I thank God. This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and some of you have been so kind to us so far and just so, so, just so loving and we felt so loved, and, and we appreciate it so much. And all it does for us, it makes us want to pray more, fast more, study more, pray for you more. Uh, they're just healthy. It's so healthy to do these things. And, when, and it's so good. And, you know, I think you need encouragement every once in a while too, right? Everyone needs encouragement. We need encouragement. But the whole purpose of that is so we can do a better job for Jesus. 
And when we give instruction, you're coming to church to receive instruction. Did you know every time you've come to church, I've been giving you instructions concerning the kingdom of God. Here's how you do it. This is what you do. Here's your assignment. Now go out in there and get after it. And we've always anointed and we've always prayed and we've always asked for a transference of the anointing to come on you before you walk out of the building. That's what's been going on because the church is the defense system for the kingdom of God. So when we come together, so coming to church isn't, uh, I don't, coming to church isn't about, I don't want to go to church and everybody sees me there. I don't care if people think I go to church or not. I'm too tired to go to church. I danced too hard last night. <laughs> I don't want to go to church. I went to secondhand prom or second chance. Check secondhand. Yeah, I grew up Latino. I went to all the secondhand stores. People went to Dillard's. I went to Dillard South. That was downtown. Man. You don't come to church to be seen. You come to church to receive instruction, to have an, an experience with your commander-in-chief, and to go out in your world, and I'm telling you, you need to turn the world upside down for Jesus. So that's why you come to church, and there's power in coming in this type of environment. So, so let me say this, point number one, the church is heaven's earthly department of defense. The church is heaven's Earthly Department of Defense. The church is heaven's official agency in the earth to carry out, listen, foreign policies of its heavenly government through prayer and other mythologies and strategies. As such, it functions in somewhat like a legislative body. The church has been divinely instructed for the purpose of keeping the earth realm free from aggressive advancements of the kingdom of darkness. This church has not been planted by accident. It's not been planted by someone's ego who said, oh, I can speak publicly. I can make people laugh. I, can, I, can, I know how to get, you know, create community, and so I feel like I need to start a church. No, 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 no. That's not the criteria for starting a church. Neither is you, you being good at having potlucks. Oh, I throw good potlucks. I think we need to start a church. You wouldn't believe it. I've heard that before. The church... Every church that's been assigned by God is protected by God, and hell can't stop it. But every church has had a man or a woman that has been assigned to the region, that has been appointed by God to carry out an assignment. And it's our responsibility as the angel of the church is what is what uh, the book of Revelation refers to us as. The word angels in the church, when it speaks of the angel over Philadelphia, it's speaking of the pastor, just another word for pastor. The pastor of the church, the leader of the church, has been given specific assignments. That's why you look at the book of Revelation, and when it talks about the seven churches of Asia and the letters that are written to the angels of the church, it's actually written to the pastors, and there were prophecies that were given to them concerning their future. And the angel of the Lord told John, whoever changes this, I will take their name out of the book of life. Why? 
because in those books and prophecies were strategic military plans to advance the kingdom of God so darkness would not defeat it. And that's how serious God feels about it. That's, how, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's how God feels about it. That there's so many things to consider. But as his governmental official, I'm standing here and I, sometimes I, I have to watch what I say sometimes because I have an awareness that even the book of James says that don't you know that teachers have the greater condemnation for they be, they'll be judged differently? I know that. You go to heaven and God's going to deal with you and, 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 you know, on your own level by the works you've done and by the words that you've said, idled words and things there. And he'll take the book out. The word of God is going to be our judge. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to set us free. And so we have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? We have forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. But the word is going to judge us. But when God deals with me, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to judge you by the word. Now, let's judge you based on the assignment I gave you to give to the congregation. Did you warn them about this? Did you warn them and tell them if they did this, this is what would happen in the spirit? Did you give signs of, uh, of, of warnings in those areas? Did you encourage them when you needed to encourage them? Did you, were you obedient in those, in those moments of time? Because I'm responsible. And I believe there are angels that help me. I believe there are angels. I believe there's, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook right now, don't freak out. But I believe, you may not see it, but I believe there's an angel up here with me. Uh, if it shows up on the screen, send me, send me a picture. I'd like to be kind of cool. Why? I don't know why. I've, I've felt angels before in my life. I know what they feel like. I've had them touch my head and touch my, my, my heart. I've had them lay hands on me before. I know that sounds weird. It sounds strange. But listen, some of, you, some of you put pictures of angels all over your house, and you're telling me you don't believe in them? Some of you have little muñecos, little things on your wall and your, on your windows, right? Is that what they're called? You got these little statues all over the place and angels. Got angels. I love angels. But they're, they're bigger than that. They're more powerful than that. And they're more, more considerate in your life than that. Angels are real. But when you're in alignment with the government of God, that's when angels are by your side. When you repeat the instruction that the word of God has given you, then that's when angels are activated in your life. Therefore, when we pray, we are praying that heaven invades earth on our behalf. Prayer keeps you connected to the headquarters of God. Prayers put you to work, especially when you obey 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, where it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I'm telling you, that when you get a consistent prayer life and you learn how to pray in the Spirit, your world will change. Your God will step into your life, begin to rearrange, get everything worked out for your future, and begin to block certain distractions and all opposition that tries to hinder the will of God for you. And listen to this. Prayer puts God to work because he states it here and Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 11. Listen to what he says. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, which I believe he's referring to the angels. 
I'm referring to those that are spirit-led. As many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. God is literally trying to tell us, listen, if you'll just speak the word, I'll do it. If you'll release the word, I will do it. That's why we teach in the church how to speak spirit-anointed-filled words. Not just quoting the word because you read it and speaking it and letting it flow off of your dome. It's more than that. It has to come from the gut, has to come from your spirit, has to be uh, marinated in the spirit of God. It has to come from your spirit man. And the Holy Ghost can only use what you put up here. And it starts to take your words. And when the spirit of God begins to speak through your life, when you're obedient and you release it, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. That's why every time he prayed for somebody, they were healed. That's why when he spoke to demons, they left. That's why he spoke to things and it just happened. Miracles took place, not because of the man, but because of the God in the man. Where do I get this kind of encouragement? Where do I get this kind of instruction? In the headquarters of God's kingdom, in the earth. The embassy of God. The embassy of God. God's given the church a five-fold ministry. We have a responsibility. Can I share some of my responsibilities with you? If that'd be okay, real quick, can I share some of, the, some of the, our responsibilities with you? Is that okay with you all? Okay, here are the four eyes. God has given us right here as an ambassador and a military officer of the kingdom of heaven. There are four eyes that God's given us the commandments to do. And here they are. Write these down. So you'll understand how we work together, how this is all supposed to take place. Uh, influence is one of them. To impact, to infiltrate, and to implement. To influence, to impact, to infiltrate, and to implement. Now, for the sake of just note-taking, I put my notes up here with the definition, so I want you to go ahead and look at the first word, what it means to influence. We are supposed to help teach how to influence the world and affect change in the lives of those who are bound by the kingdom of darkness. That's part of our assignment. We are supposed to influence, not be the one influenced. Let me, let me make sure we make that right, help you understand. As a Christian, when you, were, when you were born again, when you were saved, guess what? You were enlisted in the army of God, didn't even know it. You were enlisted. Some of you were enlisted to God's Air Force. Some of you can kneel down and pray prayers and drop the bomb on hell sometimes. I'm telling you, I know some people in this church, I know how they pray, I know their prayer life, and I know who to call. I know who to call as footmen to know who's going to go in there and evangelize. I know who to call that are apostolic, who know how to move and shake and get things done. I know who to call when I need prayer. And I know some little ladies in this church, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather face a, a, a group of bikers than some of the elderly women in this church that know how to pray. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. When I say elder, it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the time frame that they've been in church and served the Lord. 
I've, I've had a couple of them come up here with, the, with me one time during service, and I told you about them. I'm telling you right now, there's some little ladies in this church, boy, they'll pray the paint off the wall, and they'll pray every devil out of your house. Just give them a moment, give them a moment in time. They know how to worship. They know how to praise God. They know how to get connected. So I'm telling you, anyone can be an influencer, but it's so easy to be influenced, right? You know, it's so easy. There are some people in your life, they're the Jonah in your boat. You're going to have to choose who you're going to lose if you're going to win. Oh, boy, that was, that was sharp, but that was right. That was tight, but that was right. That sounds better, right? That's a fact. Listen, I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm lollygagging right now, but I'm just going to tell you right now. There are some people that you can't take with you to the mountaintop. You just can't take them with you. You've got a different calling. You have a different assignment. There are certain people, they're not serious about living for God. They're not serious about succeeding in life. They're not serious about getting things done. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very picky who I hang out with. I am. I'm very picky. I don't want to hang around people that are negative, always gossiping, always got a complaint. I, I don't. I'll minister to them. I'll, I'll help them and keep looking forward. I'm not talking about you. You give yourself away. I'm not talking about anybody in this church. I love hanging out with you. You guys love God. We talk about things. We know how to have fun. But this is what I'm talking about. There are certain people that no matter how beautiful the weather is, didn't we have some beautiful weather this past week? Loved it, man. Loved it. Some people are putting on sweaters. Not me, man. I put my chanclas on, put my shorts on. Man, step outside barefooted. So great. Then, then the good weather comes by, and they go, oh, don't worry, it's Texas. It'll change tomorrow. Oh, my God, man. You know, let's enjoy it right now. Let's just embrace it right now. Right? Hijo, man, I'm telling you, I'm just saying. I don't have time for that anymore, and I can't take everybody with me, but God's called me to lead. So I can't even listen. I told my wife, we got to stay together. We got to stay so close together, and we have to be so close that nothing can come between us. My wife comes up here every morning with me. Thank you, baby. She comes up here every morning with me at 6 o'clock to pray with me. And then she has to go to work. And I'm so appreciative of that. It's just for a short time. But I, I'm, I'm thankful for that because it's not about the quantity sometimes. It's just the quality. But that's going to be strength for our marriage. It's going to be strength for you because it, 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 it reassures you that your leadership has a strong relationship with God and your, their spouse and the family. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't want your last name to be Rivera. You don't want your last, excuse me, you don't want your last name to be Riviera. My kids, my kids forget they're Mexican too. What's your life, Riviera? You're, you don't want your last name to be Rivera because you'll be up here every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday. Oh, I got a hand clap for that. <laughs> you know what? And Sundays too. No, I'm joking. 
<laughs> it's just the way it is, guys. Why? You know, listen, I'm getting off track, but if you're going to be influenced, you got to let the Holy Ghost influence you first before anybody else does. You want to start seeing success in your life, start coming to prayer in the morning. Because I'm going to tell you what the, what the intent is here. Let me go ahead and do this. Impact. Impact the major systems of the world. That's what we're called to do. We're called to impact the major systems of the world. Social, political, economical, educational. And this is correct. Familia. Cultural. And so on through forceful, effectual action and the spirit causing a strong response leading to kingdom rule. Did you get that? We've been called to impact. How can you impact if you have no ability of being sensitive and being aware of God's spirit in your life? You have to let the spirit of God impact you first so you can impact the world. You have to let the spirit of God influence you first so you can be the influencer in the world not the one being influenced. Being persistent in prayer in the morning is so key and so vital. I'm gonna just tell you right now what our objective is. I'm gonna spill the beans. My objective as a representative of God's kingdom, I've been instructed by God, who I feel strongly about this conviction, that I'm supposed to lead you and teach you how to pray. And to offer you opportunity to take advantage of that and grow. The reason why most people don't like to pray is because they've never had answered prayers. That's why most people don't pray. Because they've never had God answer a, a, a prayer for them that was so impactful. That left an impression in their spirit. Because once you see God answer prayers, even prayers you haven't prayed and desires that you have and changing your life, changing your family, I'm going to tell you, when you figure out the secret of prayer, you're going to want to do it and not ever stop doing it. It's powerful. It's powerful. But Jesus said, my house should be called what? A house of prayer. So our goal is to get every person praying in the morning. And you don't even have to come here if you can't. But I encourage you, there's something powerful about coming to pray. You can feel the presence of God in this building right when you walk in. I'm telling you, because we have spent days, years praying in this building before we ever had prayer meetings. There are things that have transpired here that leaves a fragrance, leaves an aroma, leaves something significant for your spirit man to feel. You don't have to tell anybody you've been praying. You just got to be just sensitive enough. They just have to be aware enough that there's something different about you. Impact. I got to move on. I have to move on. You'll find impact all over the scripture. In the next scripture, it says, uh, look at it and reference this. Acts 16 and 16 tells the story of Paul, how he interrupted a town's spiritual education, uh, the, the town's spiritual educational economic system by calling out a soothsayer and demon. Paul wrecked a town. When he went into it, he was anointed. He impacted him so much, he cast a demon out of a soothsayer, someone who was practicing witchcraft. <laughs> 
and they were so upset with Paul, they tried to kill him because all the business people said, there goes our source of blessing. That's what they were doing. She brought wealth to people. And so we too are assigned to go into dark places and to exceeding trouble and cause exceeding trouble. That sounds kind of like a contradiction. I don't, you know, I don't want to cause any trouble. Well, let me, let me tell you something. If you don't get rid of certain spirits in your life, they're going to cause you trouble. That's the problem. The church has too high of a tolerance. We are letting spirits cause trouble in our life when we should be the ones causing them trouble. I'm telling you right now, you can look at me strange all you want to, but there are such a thing as demons. I don't care. You cannot listen to it. I called a relative of mine, and I called someone recently, and I was sharing a little bit of stuff with them, what was going on in our life, and, and immediately they said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to hear. No, 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 I don't want to hear. I'd rather not know. I'm better off not knowing. I, I, I have to know. I'm not going to live in ignorance. It's, it's, it's my enemy. But see, when God shows you something, he also teaches you how to counter it. See, and that's what you're receiving right now, instruction. You're receiving an assignment. What must I do to live in an advanced life? Well, first of all, when it comes to hell, I'm going to just give you some, some advice that's not up here. Throw the first punch. In the spirit, throw the first punch. In the spirit, pray the first prayer before there's any trouble and say, in Jesus' name, I restrict every demonic opposition from stepping into my territory, stepping into my job, messing with my family. Hell, you cannot touch my family. There can no, there no spell, no cantation. Nothing can come against my family. No weapon formed against my children. No weapon formed against my pastor. Pray for me. There's nothing, nothing. You set the tone. You set the boundaries. You call the shots. You are God's representative in this world. Now let's start walking it out. Let's start acting like it. Take the initiative and start prayer. You see, you may not even sense that there's limitations in your life. You don't know until you start breaking barriers. You really don't know. You think it's God's will for every single, let me just be clear with you, really practical. You think it's God's will for you to be and live in poverty your whole life, to bear to get by from paycheck to paycheck? There's a reason why. You want to know why you're, you're not being blessed even though you're giving sometimes? I'll tell you why. Because there are opposition and forces that are restricting the blessings of God, and they will not move out of your life until you pray them out. And when you break through and pray those things out, you're going to see the blessings of God come and begin to overtake you, overrun you, and you knock them out of the way. God said he would open up the windows of heaven. It's not the windows you have in your house. That word window literally means gateway like a spigot or a spout. A portal is what it means. There are portals over your life when you do right that God has for you. But the problem is there's opposition in the way. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Bob, but let me give you scripture. Would you want some scripture? When Daniel began to pray for 21 days, on the 21st day, the angel 
the warring angels came to him and told him, Daniel, the Lord heard you on the first day, and we were on our way, but we had to fight the prince of Persia. It was a principality. There was a spirit that was there. But Daniel continued in prayer and enforced the angels to work on his behalf. Then they were removed, and then the blessings of God came to Daniel. That's why you must pray. You've got to understand, we have to understand how the kingdom of God is organized. It doesn't just happen, folks. You have to take the initiative, fall in line with your assignment, be surrendered to the cause and say, I am part of the Lord's army and I am equipped and I have angels on my side and I've got a great big God who's never lost a battle. Never lost a battle. So, so you go on further, and let me just go through here real quick, uh, infiltrate. We have to infiltrate enemy territory saturated with the light of God. Our presence should be invasive. Light invades darkness, leaving no place for dark shadows. That means you have to let the light of God, the understanding of a God in your life, you have to let the light of God shine. How do you let the light of God shine? By your action, by your works by your words, because you have clear understanding. When the scripture refers to light, he is referring to understanding. It's referring to understanding. And so there's so much to be said. Implement. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. Implement and establish the behavior, characteristics, and the directives of the kingdom of God. We are to put into action the policies of God in the earthly realm. Binding and loosing is one way of implementing the kingdom customs in the earth. Binding and loosing. That's what we do. We bind and we loose. I have to move on. Point number two, let me give you this point. Again, the church is the official embassy of the kingdom of heaven. Write that down. The church is the embassy. That means that you, as the church body coming together, this place is a refuge for you. This place is a refuge for you. In the natural, an embassy that's located in foreign soil, the building and the, the land that the building is on. We have an embassy in different countries. But wherever our embassy is and the land that it sits on is, that land is land that belongs to the United States of America. And when you step on that land or in that embassy, you are now bound by the laws of your government, not the ones of that country. How many of you knew that? That's the way it is in the kingdom of God. That's why when people come to this church, all of us should be bound by the laws of the kingdom of God. That's why we need to see every person healed that comes into this church because that is the rules of our government that there are no sicknesses and diseases in the kingdom of God, and Jesus knew that. That's why he healed everybody. You ought to clap your hands for that right there. We ought to see deliverance take place when people step on this embassy, on this embassy. When you're stepping into the church, 
you're stepping into the embodiment of a group of people who have the same convictions and laws and influence in their life. And like Jesus said, thy pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are bound by the laws of heaven, not by the laws of earth. Trust me, you'll get a ticket if you go speeding out of here. That's not what I'm talking about. But you also should be ticketed for things that are contrary to the kingdom of God, and God will give you a space of repentance and say, hey, listen, you can pay the consequences for this, or you can be set free from it right now. Isn't he a good judge? I mean, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. That's what God does for us. When I mean ticketed, I'm talking about conviction. That's why people come to church and they may feel convicted. Why? The Spirit of God does that. Not a man, not another person. That's your conscience realizing, hold on a second, you know, something's not right. Maybe I need to get rid of this thing. Sometimes people get offended. And they go, oh, I can't believe that preacher. My God, that not nobody tell me what to do. Preacher in that house try to go and preach. I pray more. I listen to Joel Osteen. <laughs> I do too. Don't knock it till you tried it. Don't get offended. We're just trying to help people. We're trying to help people understand that the church is more than just a group of people coming together, getting a membership. The church is the actual representation of God's kingdom. And anybody who steps into our territory, they need to be delivered, set free, and healed by the power of God, period. God has had me praying for miracle signs and wonders to follow and to be advanced in this church. I'm telling you, miracles still take place. Miracles still take place. I'm going to skip down, and I'm going to go to verse th point number three. Point number, I'm skipping a lot. If you want all my notes, go to the app, download my notes. There's a lot that I've skipped over right now, but for the sake of time, I'm going to just go to point number three. The church is the enemy of the devil. That's why he don't want you coming to church, because you start getting instruction here. You start getting direction here. Listen, when we all begin to advance and get in cadence with each other, it scares hell to death. It does. That's the whole purpose. We get instruction. We get direction. Listen, if, if you don't like me, you got to love me if you want to go to heaven. But if you don't like me, find a pastor that you like. Do it. I mean, there's somebody else that we would love to put in your seat if you don't like us, that does like us, that will listen and will be blessed. But we want you here. We don't want you to like us. We want you to love God. We want you to love God. I, I don't mind being the bad person to give you the news. And I don't mind breaking the news and saying, hey, we're fixing to go on a 21-day fast. I'll be the bad guy. Take it out on me all you want to. It don't matter to me. But at the end of the day, I'm just glad I, I'm being obedient to God. And if you'll accept it as we're being led by God, that God's going to do something in the spirit that will break and your life will be blessed. I have pastors in my life. I have three pastors. They're not just people I call pastors. They're, they're there for me. They're fathers in the gospel. They, 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 they call me. I call them. I stay in touch with them. They tell me to fix something and do something. I do it. I have to because I want to be blessed. 
And I say I have to because my conviction persuades me to. But I, I think everybody needs a pastor. I cannot stand it. Can I just tell you one of my pet peeves? I cannot stand when I meet a pastor, so-called pastor, and I ask him, hey, who's your pastor? And he said, well, Jesus is my pastor. No, 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 no. Who is your pastor? Who do you submit to? Who can correct you? Who can instruct you? If a person does not have that kind of submission in their life, they're going to abuse their authority because they have no sense of submission in their life. A man's strength is found in his ability to submit. I have to submit. My pastors have pastors. I believe in that accountability because without it, you and I would just get egotistical, do our own thing, have no accountability to we just keep on doing things that, that, that are out of bounds. But God has an order. God has a way of doing things. And for that reason, that's why hell wants to play games with you and mess with you and get you mad at the church so you'll keep moving from church to church to church to church and never grow and stay planted in one place. The church is the enemy of the devil. That's why he's constantly messing with you, constantly trying to get you irritable, constantly trying to tell you and get you weary, get you tired. First and foremost, my obligation is to worship him, to worship him and give him the first fruits of my life. Did you know that coming to church on the Sunday is actually giving him the first fruits of your week? That's what it is. You're giving him the first fruits of the week. According to the Jewish calendar, Saturday is the Sabbath, according to the Jewish calendar. But the reason why we come to church on Sundays is because it's the first day of the week. And the Apostle Paul admonished us to bring your offerings and tithes to the storehouse, God's house, on the first day of the week. So we come and worship. But in the kingdom of God, the Sabbath really is the Holy Ghost. Study it in the book of Hebrews. It's the rest when we cease from our works and rest in God's, like God ceased from his works and rested on the Sabbath, on, the su- on that seventh day. We're supposed to cease from our works and our flesh and rest in the Holy Ghost. That's the Sabbath. You do the study. But coming to church puts you at a different level, keeps you connected. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. I want to give you this definition because when we talk about this one, you have to make one, you have to come to the realization that we need to know who God is. And it is point number four, Jehovah Ah, Jehovah Gabor is your commander in chief. Here's what this means. Jehovah Gabor Mirshama. That's a Mirkama, excuse me. Mirkama means the Lord strong in battle or mighty in war. That's our commander in chief. The Lord who is mighty in battle. When your commander in chief comes into your life, he doesn't, he doesn't just come to give you commandments. He comes also, he's like no other commander. He comes to relieve you of your burdens. He's here to love on you. Listen to this. That's what it is. And now that we have an understanding of the structure, now that we understand the structure and the headquarters, this is where God gives us instruction 
This is where God gives you the assignment. Now we got to understand our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. He is an informed leader, folks. He knows everything about you. He knows the assignments that you're given from the house of God. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your burdens. He knows everything that you're going through so, in so much that he gives a scripture for it. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. It says, come unto me. Come unto me. And I'm coming to a close. Come on, Haley. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Don't we serve a good God? So God isn't there just to try to give you orders. God's there to care for you, love for you, and nourish you, and help you come back to life and lift your burdens. Here's the good part. When you come to the house of God, you need to lay your burdens down at the feet of your commander-in-chief. He's listening. He knows. So you can clear your mind of all your worry and all your anxiety and learn how to advance. I'm telling you, the church isn't just a place for membership and to be a part of something. The church is the headquarters for the kingdom of God's defense system in the world. And it's here is that when we start walking together and we start agreeing together, when people take the sermon, I'll tell you what would make us uh, such an influence and, and turn this city upside down. I'm going to tell you what it's going to be. It's when everybody starts following in cadence with the direction God has given us. It's whenever, uh, and please understand this, this isn't trying to manipulate anybody. Uh, look, I know, I know there are, there are people out there that can, that can speak and teach better than I can. But God's called me to this church. And, and I'm, I'm the best choice for this because there's only one me, right? But I believe with all of my heart that, that I'm hearing from God and being directed from God to give you direction. And I'm not just giving you my thoughts. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm giving you something clear, something definite. And the moment you start picking it up and start following it and start obeying it, this is what happens. The moment you accept the challenge and say, you know what? I'm going to find time to go to the house of God and pray. I'm going to find time to put prayer into my life. And you probably say to yourself, well, I don't got enough time, man. My time is all taken up. You've got time. Let me tell you why. All you got to do to change it is to go to bed earlier and wake up sooner. And then you have plenty of time to work out, to, to, to go and pray, to have some me time, alone time, all that time. It just takes a little sacrifice. I know that's rough, but that's the reality. That's the reality. We can all put God first. We can all find time for God. That's what I'm saying. We can all find time to put God in our life. Somebody say amen. We can. We can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Let me tell you what happens. When we all walk together, this is what happens. All of us start walking and marching together. You want to know what caused France to drop their guns when the German armies were coming? You want to know what it was? When they were in behind their sandbags and when they were there waiting for the forces of Germany to come in, here's what Germany had. You know, Germany wasn't 
wasn't orchestrated by God. They were, I believe they were led demonically. But that shows you how organized hell is. The German forces were very organized. The reason why they didn't last, because one country that was under God came and helped defeat them. That's why God was on our side. That's what I believe. Believe what you want to. But God gets favor on a country that follows him and worships him and honors him. And along with all the others that were involved in the war. But this is what caused fear in the hearts of the French. Because when they heard the German armies coming, and they were coming down the road, and they walked across their bridges, all they heard was, and the floor and the ground started vibrating with every step they took. And they felt it. And because they were walking in unison, and because they were marching together, it caused such a fear in their hearts. They left. They took off. You know what scares hell so much? It's when the church starts marching together. I just got, I thought that was my feet before. Man, I need to to lose some more weight. That's That's what hell fears. You know what would happen if your family started walking together in the same direction? Oh, my God. I'm trying to tell you something. Strong churches are comprised of strong families. In any institution, it's all about the family unit. When you can minister to the families, the families can learn to carry out the instruction and follow the direction. You'll have strong families. And when we come together, there won't be any problem. Nobody has to tell you to raise up your hands. Nobody has to tell you what to say. You're going to walk in this house anointed. And when visitors come, and when the sinner come, and when the people that are troubled, the people that are burdened, the people that have a need, I promise you this, God is going to meet the need, and God is going to get rid of everything in the atmosphere. That's our assignment. That's our assignment. The church is not a one-man band. I mean, you know, you know. The church isn't a one-man band, folks. That's the problem. We all think it's the pastor's responsibility. Oh, that was so good. Pastor did great. Now let's go eat fried chicken. You got it backwards. You came to this church to get an assignment, to carry it out, to move it in your family, for us to work together, to pray together, and watch hell be dispersed. I'm just a messenger. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm just a messenger, but I'm telling you, we become so spiritual. All we want from churches now is to make us feel good and to, and to get emotional, but we're wrong there too. We need to be taught. We need to be instructed. We need to also lead by example. I promise you, I am here. Not, 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 I'm not trying to brag. Please understand, but the scripture says, those that are greater among you need to be the least of your servants. I'm, at, I'm not coming up here at 5.30 just because, oh, you know, I, you know, I just have nothing else to do. I want people to come tonight at this Bible study that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and want it. 
Not come in with a double mind and say, you know, I'm not quite sure. I just got kind of curious. No, 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 no. You're hungry for God. We want to help you. I want to help you. Don't waste my time. Don't waste God's time. Come hungry. Come hungry. Come anticipating something great. We don't just come to church on Sundays just to have a crowd. We're here so you can engage with your commander-in-chief and you can be healed, you can be delivered, you can receive instruction. I'm telling you, I didn't even give you half of my notes because there's so much to be said. But I'm encouraging you all today. We are up here. I'm up here every single morning, Monday through, through Friday. Not because, you know, I have nothing else better to do. First of all, I want him in my life. And I don't stop praying there. I go home and continue praying for you all because that's my assignment. But it's here so I can help lead you by example because we ought to be called to servant leadership. You know what the problem is in our marketplace now? You want to know what the problem is in the business world? We have trained everybody how to be leaders. We've taught everybody how to be leaders. Some of the greatest books that have ever been written were on leadership. We believe in leadership. But because we taught leadership, now nobody wants to serve. Now there's a move in the market now. CEOs are realizing, hold on a second, we're losing a lot of people because they think they know it all. We can't lead other people because they, they think they know it. So now they're coming out with the concept, we made a mistake. We should have been teaching on servanthood because that's more biblical. Jesus said, the greatest shall be the least. What I'm saying to you all is this. Lead your families by example. Men, I'm telling you right now, there are no excuses. I know this sounds harsh, but I don't, I don't think any other pastor would tell you straight up the way it needs to be told. You want to see your family prosper? You want to see your marriage strong? You want to see your finances go to another level? Come to the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said to me, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, they, they had the horns of the altar on the place of sacrifice. And that was a haven. That was a refuge. Anytime someone was in trouble and they violated the law, if that one person would run and grab a hold of the horns of the altar, no one could touch them because they were a, in a safe haven and it was by law no one could do them harm. So they would run to the house of God when they were in trouble and they would grab a hold of the horns of the altar and no one could touch them. That happened. Go look at it in 1 Kings. But I'm telling you here this Sunday morning, wake up, church. Wake up, church. We are called to, are we really the real church or not? Honestly, are we the real church or not? I definitely would not make it on TBN. I don't care about that stuff. I care about you. I care about your families growing. I care about your marriages flourishing. I care about your finances growing. I care what God cares about. I, my prayer is that God give me the heart that you've got for your people. That ought to be your same prayer. Why don't we lift up our hands right now? I've gone long. Please excuse me. But listen, let's just lift up our hands and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I surrender my heart. Father, teach me how to be part of your army. Teach me how to be part of your work and your plan. Lord Jesus, we pray in your powerful name that we would just walk in cadence. All start walking together. 
walking in unison. There where you said, Father, there you command the blessing. It's there you command the blessing, Father. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, bring unity into this church. Bring, God, prosperity into this church. Drive every demonic force back and away from every family, from everyone's career, for the will of God, for their life. Drive it far from here, dear Lord, and let us walk in a great offense. Let us walk in the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and somebody give God a hand clap of praise if you believe that. Come on, give us some praise. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.